on the tee from Australia, Adam Scott. There it is, Adam Scott. Expect anything different? Brilliant. What an up and down that was. In your life have you seen anything like that? Welcome to the clubhouse. Yeah, what a week for golf in Australia. Get everybody, welcome to the clubhouse. Julian Bayard is my name. Great to have your company across Australia whenever you might be listening to our show. Well, Marco, what about this week for golf? Adam Scott's there in the opener. What a shot, Adam Scott, two weeks in a row. Good to see you, Jules. He leads the FedEx Cup. He's up to number six in the world, and he's back. Enormous, mate. Enormous uh, for Adam Scott to win, not once but twice in a row. A huge field. World mm. Golf Championship event. All the guns were there. Enormous money. All the guns in the world. Lots of pressure, not only on the short game, but the long game too. You know, you have a look at that 18th hole at Durrell. It's a killer hole. How about two weeks in a row? Last week he makes a quad mm-hmm. and wins. <laughs> only three people, I think, in history yep. have done it. Yep. This week, on the last day, he has two double bogeys and a shank. <laughs> And wins. Still wins. It's impossible. And hits Two weeks last, in a row. Hits his last shot in the water. Basically I, in the water. I'm telling you that's in the water. Yeah. yeah well, it's in the hazard. It's in the hazard. It was in the hazard. How did that not go in the water? Well, Seriously. he said, now this Mate. is this is beautiful. This is beautiful golf speak. I'm, I'm yeah. glad you got me. He said he hit it so pure oh, yeah. that the wind did not touch it. Now, look, I've been watching golf a long time. And if your hips don't go through the ball like they normally do, if they tighten up, then it's a bit like nunchucks, yep. all right? So you've got to think of your arms as one set of nunchucks, one of the arms, the chain of your wrists, yep. and uh, the shaft of the golf club is the other arm of the nunchuck. If that top arm stops, the other arm goes whoosh yep. right over the top. And that's why people, a lot of people, they double cross because they're trying so hard to hold the club open that their arms slow down and the club just whizzes across and that's what the double cross. That was as close to a double cross as I've ever seen. (laughs) So close. So he probably did hit it pure. He probably did. But I could tell just with the way he went through the ball that there was some tightness there. And thankfully, there was a big wind going left to right. Otherwise, that was in the water for sure. Anyway, great players use luck. That's it. Because more bad stuff happens to you in this game than the good. That's why you never feel guilty. Never, ever, ever feel guilty about a good break in golf. Never. That's it. Ever in a million years because so much bad stuff happens to you um, than, than good in the game of golf. For him to get up in there was great. The putt that he held. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about that. Yep. Uh, one, he was blessed. He actually had to move his marker. Phil Mickelson had exactly the same putt or yep. you know, maybe three foot longer. So his caddy got an awesome look mm-hmm. at what that putt did. That's handy in that situation. In saying that, it was still the best stroke I've ever seen him make. In a pressure situation. Yep. The rhythm was perfect. There was no head tilt through the shot. Yeah. Because I've told you a hundred times, Jules. about that. The left ear goes to the shoulder when he's tight. Yep. There was none of that. There was rhythm. There was just the right amount of acceleration. You don't mm-hmm. want to go crazy. There was rhythm. There was balance. And there was no head tilt. And that ball went pretty much in right center, yep. which is great. Because yep. it's a putt that kind of broke away from the water. You know, normally yeah. a putt will break to yeah, the water. Yeah. It does play with your mind. I mean, if you normally, normally putts break towards water because water runs down mm-hmm. to water. Not in this case. Um, and it does play with your mind. So he got a good look at Phil's. He made a beautiful stroke and it went in pretty much where he wanted it to go in, which is either center or right center. So huge, huge effort. Yep. 
by a guy who was number 175 or something <laughs> last year on the putting stats. Well, up to 17th in strokes gained with a putter this week. 17? Yep. Se- so th- this was for this tournament. So, so he was up to 1.7. Is that right? Oh, no, number 17 for the week. for the week. Yep. Wow, that's, the that's huge. So, when you hit it like he does from tee to green. And he was number one for approach uh, shots gained yeah. this week. So. That's, the, that's the important one. Yep. So, look, in in I'm, I'm glad you brought that stat up. Because that's the key mm. stat, aside from putting. The guy who hits it the closest is always in the best position yep. to win. Well, but the guys who putt badly, they never win because they can't, they can't convert. But even the guys who putt badly, normally you know, for the year, but they have the one win, if they're 160th on the putting stat, usually that week they're in the top 10 in the putting stat, and that's why they win. Yeah. Well, you know, we talk, you talked about the two double bogeys he started with. Yeah, and three then, and five, I think they were. Yeah. And then the, uh, the birdies he got on the final round were yeah. from nine foot, nine foot, five foot, three foot, three foot, and two foot. Rock solid. So that's the approach shot game <laughs> yep. you talk about. Yep. He's nailing those short putts, yep. birdie putts. That's what's winning in tournaments. Yeah, and they're the ones that play on your mind. If you keep on hitting it close, mm. y- you're... Your brain tells you, you've got to make this. But there is more expectation. There is more anxiety when you go six, seven, eight on the par. Mm-hmm. Or the other one, two behind, one behind, co-leader, one in front. You know, it's a different mentality to knock in those three and four footers. The greats make it look easy. That's why they're great. Yep. And Adam Scott, it's fair to say, made those putts look a hell of a lot easier than he's done in the past. Average players, they look real average over those winning putts. You know, people like Nicholas and Tiger and when Phil Mickelson's on, uh, even Jason Day when he wins, they make those ones look reasonably easy. Yep. Uh, maybe not Jason Day. I'll leave Jason out of that group just for the moment. <laughs> Tom Watson, all those guys yeah. made those leading putts, putts to get closer to the lead or putts to extend their lead from that range for birdie, they make them look easy. Two wins and two runners-up from his six starts this mm. year, Adam Scott. He's the best player in the world. Really, right now. Yeah. Up to number six in the world, Marco. We're a yep. month out from the Masters. Yeah. Well, last year he played like garbage. I mean, he's, he's because he's putting so bad, mm. it whizzed through his game. Uh, he's not hitting the ball anything like he was last year. And, and fair enough, too. I mean, when you know that you are putting like a dirtbag with a broomstick, and then all of a sudden you've got to go back to a little one. Yeah. It's, you know, he, a lot would have been playing on Adam Scott's mind. He loves living in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. He loves showering <laughs> his wife with gifts. He loves playing, um, uh, traveling to first class hotels. He loves the fact that he drives whatever car he wants. All those things, I bet for a second last year, you were thinking, God, how am I going to hang on to all this yeah. stuff? How am I going to do that? Got it back now. He's all he's all set, mate. He's, he's fine. He's all set. Don't worry, Mrs. Hey, Scott. You're going to be looked after the rest of your life. What about the bunker shot on 16, the shank? Cousin Play, Hank, eh? Playing with Phil, yeah. probably the best bunker player yep. we've seen for a long time. Yeah, and hey, it was the easiest bunker shot I've ever yeah. seen, too. <laughs> I mean, lie. he didn't really even have to open it up too much. I what he said much. afterwards in his press. He goes, I didn't have a bad lie. I got no excuse. I just hit a bad shot. Just shanked it. Just shanked it. Yeah. <laughs> and again, there, there was another putt that he had the hole. You know, yeah. he shanked it. Yep. It doesn't go into the bunker past. across. Eight-foot pass, was it? Yeah. About that. And then he held that eight-footer as well. I mean, the, the mental... The mental performance, forget about the putting, forget about the hitting, forget about winning twice. The mental performance to actually win and battle through putting problems 
is untold. Yep. Not many players. I mean, you, you tell me the players who have done it. There are there are literally none yep. who have battled through putting bad for an extended period of time and then battling through and continuing Come out the to be side. a really good putter. Now, yep. if he finishes up number 50 in the world or number 50 for the putting stats for the year, that's huge. To go from 170-odd to 50, he's going to win five or six events if he ends up being number 50. If he ends up in the top 30, like, you know, the, the better players and the better putters, he's going to be unstoppable with the yep. way that he hits the golf ball. So we're going to keep watching, Ooh. but all signs are good. And I'm happy to put my hand up. Yeah. I, I didn't think he'd come back. Didn't I, think he'd get I, there? No, I thought he'd be gone. I, I thought he'd win tournaments again. Yeah. I didn't think he could win a major ever again. Right. I thought... The crutch has been taken away. It's mm. going to get worse with the short putter, um, but it didn't. It didn't. So away he goes, and he is he's now flying. Also, I'm going to keep this for the masterclass at the end of the show. Stay tuned. Brett Rumford was given credit for his putting performance. Brett helped him out at the Australian Masters at Metropolitan on the putting green uh, when he was fiddling around with the short putter. Didn't know which way he was going to go, um, and he has credited Brett Rumford with. The help. Right. So at the masterclass during the week, I called Brett Rumford. And I said, Brett, will you come on my show? He said, no. I want to kill him for that. Come on, Brett. <laughs> come come on, Brett. on and share. <laughs> he said he didn't want the publicity. So I'm probably you well, know wrecking it now for poor old Brett. Yeah. But You're the masterclass, at the end of the program, Stick I around. will reveal the putting Scott Secret wow. to his new success. There you go. Stay tuned it's for pretty that. significant. It's good. It's the last segment of this show. It's really good. It's really good. So stay tuned for that. Now, helped Adam Scott by the final round of Rory McIlroy. Another poor final round, led yep. by three shots going yep. into the final day, but shot 74. Northern yep. Trust opened a couple of weeks ago, found the lead at the first hole where he had Eagle and yep. then went on to shoot a 75 on the Sunday. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. he's having some disappointing finishes, Rory McIlroy, yeah. but playing some good golf still. Oh, yeah. Look, he's driving. He was the best driver of the golf ball all week. Yep. And sometimes a little a swing issue, you can cover it up when the ball's teed three inches high. Because if you're good enough, your hand-eye coordination is good enough and you hit enough golf balls, clearly Roy McIlroy's got both those attributes. You can fiddle with the books a little bit through impact and get away with the driving. When the ball's sitting tight on a fairway and he swings out, it makes it, you know, you have to be precise. You have to be very precise. Particularly, you know, with a small, he's still using blades, sweet spot's tiny. Yep. Ball sitting tight on the on the fairway, you must be precise with the wood. You know the sweet spot's fifty cents. You know, it's like a fifty mm-hmm. cent piece with the new clubs. Um, you can get away with it, like I said before, with the hand eye coordination and uh, and and plenty of practice. Um, but he he wasn't coming down in sync. His his body was coming down before his arms. Right. Some people suggest that maybe it's the arms lagging behind the body. Uh, either way, because uh, it's one of those ones where you don't know which one it is, the chicken before the egg. You don't know, you don't know what the story is. But a, a simple one for him to fix. I mean, all he's got to do is have everything coming down together, um, maintain that huge shoulder turn. That's where he gets all his yeah. power from. You've got to, if, you, if you've got the foxtail at home yeah. and you push the pause button <laughs> enough, every once in a while you will get Rory McIlroy at the very top of his backswing, and the shoulder turn is insane. Yep. I mean, his feet are still flat on the ground. His hips are turned. You've got to turn your hips to get that bigger shoulder turn. Don't care how old you are. He's got this massive shoulder turn, and the club only goes just past parallel. You can really see the horsepower, and uh, you know he's got that incredible 
hand action through the impact as well, which is the turbo charge. But to be able to make that big shoulder turn with your feet flat on the ground, it is a joy to watch. Yep. Uh, but even though he's doing that, and even though he still swings relatively short to the comparison of his shoulder turn, he still was just getting a little bit stuck last week uh, with the body going a little early. He'll fix that. He'll yeah. tapes his out. wedges were terrible and his irons were rubbish last week. Yeah, yeah, hard to score. Certainly is. All right, Marco. We're a month away from the Masters. After this, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about who you think is going to win. You beauty. And a little bit later on, yeah. the pro shop. We're the pro shop. talk about Masters going right. over there because it's on the bucket list for everyone. Yeah, yeah. and there's two options, you know. Yep. You, you actually go on a tour and you stay in a hotel mm-hmm. and you looked after or... Uh, these days, you can source a home to stay at close to Augusta. So we uh, we actually might try and get an expert on, Yep. and uh, we'll give you the actual benefits, the the pros and cons of both situations. That's all coming up on the Clubhouse. My name's Julian Bayard. Mark Allen is here every week as well. We'll be back right after this. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the Clubhouse. Yeah, right across Australia, Julian Bayard is my name, Mark Allen is here, you're with the Clubhouse, great to have your company as we talk all things golf on another successful week for Australian golf, but in Australian sport market, we were talking about this during the ad break, we hold some unfortunate records. Some disgraceful records. Some unfortunate ones, and we added to that. Bernard Tomic has the uh, record on the ATP Tour Which for he the was quickest loss. Of, he was reminded of that by the week. this week. <laughs> 28 <laughs> minutes. See you later, Bernie. Pack your bags and get off the court. And now Stephen Bowditch. Highest ever score on the World Golf Championship event. Another great record for Australia. Another proud week in our sporting <sighs> landscape. Uh, look, he shot 80 the first round. Yep. God knows what he was doing after that. <laughs> I think the 80 was legit. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, Steve, if you're listening. I wouldn't be surprised if you let your hair down yeah. for the rest well, of the would. week. And yeah, just kind of battled through. Enjoy yourself. And just picked up the 50, <laughs> was it 50 UEs? 50 large. 50,000 US for finishing last. Not bad. Most of us, I did read a stat, for most people to play that course and to go and shoot 80, 81, it would cost them 1500 bucks yep. for four rounds. Yep. He pockets Yeah, he pockets grand. money, yeah. <laughs> but it is Trump National these days, or yeah, Trump Durrell. Trump Durrell. Got a few courses now, Trump. He does. He's got Turnbury, British Open Rotation course. What's the new one he's got? The uh, uh, Is it Trump LA or something? Yeah. Uh, there's, there's also one down in San Diego. Yep. I think it's just called Trump National. Happy with his name, I get the feeling. Does he, yeah, um, he and then loves you, branding it, doesn't you he? You've got Trump Durrell as well. That's three weeks in a row we're talking about Donald Trump on the show. Yep. <laughs> well, he's gonna be the pre- he's gonna be the leader of the free world, yeah. I think, pretty soon. Could unless the, Hillary pulls her socks up. Could be the Trump House this show. We might rename <laughs> it when he gets it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but if you get a chance, I've played a couple of them. Yeah, good yeah, good tracks. Turnbridge great. I hope he doesn't touch it. Um, the one down in San Diego, Trump National, mm. it's got a bit of a Fred Flintstone type walk. It's got a fake cave that you drive through behind the first. So bad. It's yeah. unbelievable. But 18 holes with a view of the Pacific, yep. which is pretty nice. Some stupid holes. And actually, <laughs> you know, you're a big fan of Entourage, aren't you? Yeah. You know, when Phil Mickelson played golf. Yeah, an old mate died. Yeah, the yeah. old mate died on yeah. the golf course. That's Trump National. Ah, That's Trump right. National. So yeah. if you ever see that episode, you can Google it. Well, Phil in Entourage, Phil Mickelson Entourage. Yep. That's the Trump National Golf Course. Pretty good. A brilliant segue, Marco, because in that episode, Ari Gold, who he's playing with, yeah. uh, cracks it and smashes his club into his bag. I don't care what Ari it. does. I love him. This week, we saw Victor Dubison. Victor! Absolutely lose it. Yeah, what sort and, of a uh, fine? He'll get fined. Yeah. What do you reckon he should get? Oh... 
for smacking for what, you. For what they earn and how the image damage yeah. that that does, probably 50 grand? Nah, too much. Too much? Nah, too much. You can't you can't go and do that, mate. Nah. Well, they never. They actually never explain how much they fine their players. Right. But uh, there's always talk that Tiger Woods was the most fine player on the US tour. Swearing, spitting, yeah. all that sort of stuff. But they'd only be little $500 specials. And I think he was pretty happy to get out of a week, you know, with three or 4000 bucks in fines, Tiger. Yeah. He was quite <laughs> happy to do it. Um, so, Victor, I reckon he would have got a $1,000 fine for doing something th- like that. A thousand. A thousand bucks. Yeah. Oh. What did he do? He just whacked his bag with the golf club, didn't he? Oh, then got then started swearing for and, about fifty yards and a lot yeah, yeah. it was a, it was pretty uh, all right well you say bad. thousand or we'll, we'll meet in the middle the yeah. most interesting bit about it was that came on a day where he shot seventy two yeah the eight over par <laughs> the day before yeah no no uh, vision of that but can you only imagine what it was like <laughs> <laughs> he's usually pretty good Victor I've never yeah. seen him do his block ever golden hands oh, what are they calling. Golden hands. I think they do call him. There's a French term that says golden hands. And that's what they call him. At Beautiful least, shortcut. At least he didn't do any of this, Marco. See if he can duplicate that effort. Oh, you idiot. <laughs> wow. Apologize for that. Now, that was Shane Lowry, the Irish golfer, last weekend. See? Why are they micing the player up? <laughs> Mike the caddy up! <laughs> God, that's the that's what we're gonna get though if we uh, if we're micing him up. Oh, yeah. no, no one cares about what he says. Yeah. We can we can lip read. Yeah. Mike the caddy up. Mm-hmm. Explain the shot. <laughs> you know what his caddy probably said before that shot, and it sounded like it went left. Right, it sounded it was like short in the water. It was short in the water. Yeah. So right, so it was fat. Yeah, the caddy would have said, "Make sure you don't." Yeah, you know, if, if it was in between clubs, it's eight or nine on, he would go, "No, no, no, water's in front. Make sure you hit the eight. Yeah. So then the commentators go. That caddy just put the water in Shane Lowry's head. Yeah. You know, it just adds to the conversation. <laughs> what are they doing? Mic him up. God, I've had enough, mate. I've had enough. Anyway, uh, must have been a live one. Not, yeah. not, they're, they're pretty unlucky because <laughs> they actually don't take too many shots live. Two F-bombs in the space of 10 seconds. <laughs> pretty good. <laughs> live on TV. I like Shane Lowry too. It's funny how the Irish accent seems to make it okay to swear. Yeah. It just seems like it. <laughs> seems natural. Part of I it. like it. Uh, another blooper while we're on it. Yeah. This week. Next to play from Bernie, Texas. Please welcome Jimmy Fowler. Who? That would be. Uh, lady, we'll, we'll let ladies, him take another swing. Ladies and gentlemen. Please excuse that error. <laughs> I apologize profusely from Bernie, Texas. Please welcome Jimmy Walker. Hey! hey. You got one job, mate. <laughs> you got one job. One job. Read the players' names out. Read the players' name out. Seriously. They go too far, you see, in the States. <laughs> Just don't do it. You know, the old, you know what I love about Augusta, one of the great things? They don't go into the be-all and end-all. The only bit of resumetaz they give to the players hitting off on the first tee yeah. is whether it's a defending champion. Really? Uh, or, yeah. um, you know, when the when Nicholas and Palmer um, and Gary play hit off, then they go into a little bit of what they've done. Mm-hmm. But on, yeah, all they say is, um, ladies and gentlemen, quiet please. Now driving, Jules Bayard. Yep. That's it. 
Yeah. You might have won you know, the last three US Opens in a row. It does <laughs> not matter. They don't care. The only one they do uh, is, uh, you know, who, who won the Masters last year? I'm trying to think. Jeez. Spieth. Spieth. Thank you. Now driving. Defending champion, Jordan Spieth. Bang. That's, that's, it. that's all they say. That's all he gets. That's all they say. Yeah. But when you got these old guys who are <laughs> – he's how old he sound? 92? Trying to put a little bit of resumetaz in, they're going to stuff it up. It's got, it's got Craig Willis, uh, the tennis. You know when he does about a seventy-five second intro with yeah. the court. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Craig Willis. Two thousand eleven, two thousand and twelve, two thousand thirteen. Craig Willis is a great man. He's a pro. This poor old guy. He's probably got one job a yep. year. You know, he's probably the lollipop lady at the at, yep. at lollipop man at local the local track. school. Yep. And he's got this job. You've got to give it to the pros. As the audience gonna... giving in there. Hey! Yeah, fantastic. No, I like all that stuff. Quick one yes? before we get to a break. Jordan Spieth this week asked a tournament official if he could spit on the sole of his putter to gain better purchase on the quick greens. He was denied that request. Yeah. Why would he be trying to do it? And why is he not allowed to do I read it? that. And uh, he reckons if he spits on his putter, the putter head sits better when it's on the ground. So he's spitting on the underside of yeah. his putter. He's not where the ball's making contact. No. Underneath the putter. Yep. Licking, licking, mm. so it sits better. Never heard more crap in my life. <laughs> in saying that, I've never seen a better putter in my life. So, so maybe, it's hard to argue. It <laughs> hard to argue <laughs> against him. But I've never heard that rubbish before in my entire life. You spit on the bottom of the putter, you wipe a little bit of saliva on the bottom of the putter, and it, you know, I understand it might make it slip because one of the one of the great Greg Norman was a commentator for three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Got the three ass. weeks of his three-year term. <laughs> And one of the great things that he said, he's, when, he, when he spoke about Jordan Spieth's putting, he said one of the reasons the ball rolls so well is because he hits the uh, ball very high on the putter. And just like it does when you hit the ball high on the club face of a driver, it doesn't backspin as much. Yep. So if it doesn't backspin as much, it rolls better. And there'll be people out there going, what are you talking about? It's just the putter and the putter you know, travels at four kilometers an, an yeah. hour. <laughs> It does, folks. It does. It's been proven if you hit the ball with the top of the putter, not much, but just a little bit. a little bit. Absolutely. And by the way, if your stroke is as close to as possible when you actually were at address, it means there's less movement as well. So if your putter head sits on the ground when you take it back and when you make contact, it's five mils above the ground, then your body has moved. So it's good for two reasons. One, you get that tiny little extra bit of a... Uh, overspin Mm -hmm. supposedly probably just less backspin Uh, but also you don't move as much uh, if you hit the putt with the top of the putter face but uh, Greg Norman actually picked that up he said look one of the reasons I think he's a great putter is because he hits the ball so high on the putter face so I imagine if you're greasing up the bottom of the club and you did brush the ground it would slip over that type of sticky uh, green surface. Yep. Some of the greens do get sticky if it's humid. Yeah. So maybe he was doing it for that and he's just come up with a crap, you know. Why isn't he allowed to do it? If he wants to. I reckon he should be allowed to do that. What's the difference between that and wiping it on a towel? Yeah. I mean, you've got a wet towel. Yeah. I mean, it's just I a stupid know. rule. In fact, I cannot believe it took, I mean, I, I, this is the first time I've even thought about it and I've come up with the answer in one second. I can't believe there's no one over there. You're allowed to wipe your club with a wet towel before you hit yeah. no issue it'll <laughs> clean your club with a wet towel you'll have to do anything with a wet towel why wouldn't you be allowed to put a little bit of saliva on the bottom of the club or anywhere one of those ancient rules Marco stupid 
Again. It's like shorts. Yeah, just I'll change just it eventually. Just make the game easy, for goodness <laughs> sake. If someone thinks they put spit on the bottom of their club, it helps them. Who cares? Let them do it. Stick around. We've got an unbelievable masterclass, uh, an expert masterclass. Yeah, Brett Runford. The man who fixed Adam Scott's putting yes. is going to fix your putting through yeah. Marco. Yep, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's how it's going to happen. Could Stick be some Chinese whispers, but yep. you get the picture. It'll be pretty close. And we're going to talk soon after the break. We're going inside the pro shop yep. to discuss everyone's bucket list trip to yeah. the US Masters. If yep. you're a fan of golf, you want to do it, we're going to tell you how and how you should do it. The pros and cons. The pros and cons of staying in a hotel with a group or renting a house with your mates. After this on the clubhouse. In your life, have you seen anything like that? You're listening to the clubhouse. Yeah, welcome back to the clubhouse. Great to have your company right across Australia. Julian Bayard and Mark Allen with you. And Marco, we're going inside the clubhouse right now. Four weeks away to finding out a Masters champion, Jules. Four weeks away. Yep. This Sunday. It's exciting, mate. Hopefully, Jay Day. Day Day or A Scott or Mark Leishman. That's it. Just That'd one be nice. of the three. One of the three. Now, what are we looking at today, Marco? We're going inside the pro shop for Club Mandalay, Melbourne's newest golfing experience in the Mate, north. We've done it all. We've done it all. So yep. this is the big one with That's Augusta it. just in the background. Today, we're going to have a look at the difference between staying at Augusta in a hotel with a tour group, right, or getting four or five mates and staying at a house. There's only one man to speak to. Yep. He runs Elite Sporting Tours. His name is Steve Ivak, and he's joined us on the clubhouse. G'day, Stevie. Hey guys, how are you? Mate, there's pros and cons and everything, Steve. I'm tipping there are not too many cons in when we're talking about going to Augusta for a, for a week away. Nah, certainly not. Uh, in our first year, I think probably in your first years, you, uh, you're just happy being there and you could be miles away and um, you get to see that Masters champion get his green jacket and it really doesn't matter. But as you go on and you start running a few tours, you do start to see the pros in, in both and we've done it uh, each way. Um, our model now is both hotels and private houses, and we've got a couple of hotels we've got great relationships with that are just under a mile from Augusta National, and then um, and that suits your your couples or maybe your two mates who just want a twin share and the cost of a house is a little bit uh, higher than they'd like, or then the houses you've got groups of three or four or five or eight we've had, and they um, jump into a beautiful five or six or seven bedroom house and um, and walk through the course across the road. So, so anyway, when you uh, say a beautiful house, Steve, when you say a beautiful house, what are we talking? Are we talking to, you know, the Brady Bunch style house? What happens? Uh, they've got them like that. Mostly the area across the road from Augusta National Marco, as you've seen, um, not, I won't say older, but it was developed in the 60s and 70s. So the houses have all been done up, but there's still, say, three and four bedroom footprints, but perfect for what, we do and most groups come in in fours or sixes or eights so it really works well everyone gets their own bedroom uh two or three bathrooms in a house uh half a mile away from the front gates of augusta national and off you go so what do you do for dinner every night are you out uh, in the hotels uh, you know looking for restaurants who makes the bookings because a hell of a lot of people come into augusta every every single year yeah there is um there's only a small handful of restaurants that will take bookings in advance so we we take a few bookings there and have the flexibility for our groups. Um, most of them, as you would have seen too, mate, um, it's a sort of they try to get four or five or three or four sittings a night, and um, and Washington Road's full of pretty good places to eat, and and you really just finish up at the golf, go out, go home, have a shower, and head out to dinner. Um, ourselves, we do a host house event at our hospitality house two or three nights during the week on the Wednesday. Saturday and the Sunday, and the rest of the week we just leave people to their own 
device to enjoy the whole experience and um, try not to overbear too much. So what do you see as the pros when you're staying at a hotel? You're staying with a tour group. Um, what do you see as that, maybe even a little bit out of town? I know that when we stay, uh, we stay in Aitken uh, on the ChasingBirdies.com yep. tour. One of the great things about staying in Aitken, one, it's, it's really just 35 minutes away, but two, you can make any, re- you don't know reservations, just rock up to any ho- any restaurant you like, which, yep. is, which is just sensational yeah. when you're that far away. So I, I see that as being great. But what do you see as the, uh, some of the, you know, the good things about staying in a group uh, in, in a hotel a little further away? I think, I think by, I think the hotels, from my experience, whether they're a mile away or um, in Aiken, which is a ripping town, um, because it's Masters Week, you've got that camaraderie at the bar downstairs. You've got, I don't know, if it's a 50 or 60-room hotel, you've got 50 or 100 people all there for the same reason. Yeah. Um, and you really do have a buzz. Uh, the houses, I guess, you create your own buzz because you're probably with a group of four or eight friends or family or couples. We get a lot of them, and, and they love the... the you know the group they're in, and they're doing it for different different reasons. Um, and I guess then with our hospitality house, we try to do it the best uh, as we claim the best Aussie way we can, and um, have everyone over for a gold fashion party and, and create a buzz there. But the hotel certainly has its has its full merit. I mean, it, it really is buzzing. There's two or three hotels together where we stay pretty close to the course, and you know if you're not there for the golf, you're not really there to to be a part of it, so the buzz is pretty good. <laughs> hey, Steve, it's the question I guess everyone's thinking. What are the cost differences, mate? What's the damage going to be on the wallet for one compared to the other? Um, for our packages, Augusta's expensive, and Marco knows mm. that the cost bases are high. The, the hotels are running now, gee, seven, eight, nine hundred US a night for eight nights. I mean, it's, it's not cheap, and you can put three in there if you want, but the third guy's on a roll away, all that kind of stuff, and that's where we find the houses if you can get four or six or eight, um, two three-bedrooms, two four-bedrooms. The cost differential isn't that much, if, if at all, and you get your own room. Um, so, yeah, they, look, they know how to charge, and I guess they're only a mile away from the world's best sporting event. Mm. So outside, as you move further in eight, and that's where the benefits there are uh, much larger. The cost bases per night are uh, uh, they're still high, but they're cheaper than being a mile away, and that comes through in the price, so you can have just as much of an experience going to the Masters, staying in a, in a ripping town as well, um, as long as you've got the transport and all that. So, uh, yeah, it can get pretty expensive, the hotels. As a, you know, they know how to make their money that week. Now, Stevie, uh, chasingbirdies.com.au and elitesportingtours.com.au are joining forces in a way this year because uh, we're all going to Augusta Country Club oh. on the Tuesday night. Stop it. Tell us what's going to happen yep. there. What's happening there? Yeah. Uh, it's old school Augusta Country Club. It's been around for well longer than Augusta National, and it's your your quintessential American country club. But we are going to have the Chasing Birdies guys um, there on the Tuesday night. I think just a really yep. cocktail party and a, and a welcome. And really, you know, I mean, the cool thing about that club is you're looking at the tree line right across the horizon. That is the back of Amen Corner, and it does give you a few goosebumps, you have a beer in your hand and you're looking out on the horizon and, and there's, you know, the best place on earth. So that that is fun. Um, and it'll be just, a, you know, we've got Frank Christian, who's a, a wonderful friend of ours, whose great uncle was the first ever photographer at Augusta National. Um, his dad was and then he was, and so he'll be speaking and um, he's got a great book that we'll hand out and um, it'll kick off Masters Week beautifully. And then we've got our host house and hospitality house where... 
chasing birdies, guys will be able to come back, enjoy a beer after the golf, and not um, not have to rush off as quick as they as they um, may have used to. And and um, we'll all just be hopefully cheering on on that Sunday night with another green jacket. So Stevie, we're only four weeks four weeks away before Jason Day puts the green jacket on, which is uh, which is going to be nice. Or maybe even Adam Scott puts his second green jacket on, which would be yep. fantastic as well. Is there any room left for some real latecomers? Or, or and and tell us about uh, 2017 as well. Just get on board now. Yeah, definitely. We I did have a couple of bookings this week, so there's a couple of guys joining a group existing uh, existing mates. Um, so we get some latecomers, and we are still able to source tickets and, and houses. Um, and then 2017, yeah, we're we're raring to go. We've fielded a bunch of inquiries and. We're a bit of slow off the marketing the uh, paperwork out marker, but um, it's uh, I think I think two seventeen will probably be bigger than um, this year. The dollar has probably affected a few people thinking the last twelve months, but we're um, in the harsh reality of parity is behind us, and seventy or seventy five cents is a new way to <laughs> look at things, which is fine. But Augusta will be there forever, and you know, and I know that um, if you get that one chance to go, you'll you'll go. So um, we hope they all pile in with both of us and. Um, and we fly the flag for Australia. Beautiful. Chasingbirdie.com.au. And yours one, Steve, what is it? Uh, yeah, EliteSportingTours.com.au. Too easy. Too easy. Thanks, mate. Uh, we'll get you on another time. Great. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Stevie Ivac there doing oh, a fantastic job. Nice doing a fantastic done. job. Which way, Which, way uh, Which way are you going? Which way are you going? Which way are you going? You going the house? House party. Right across the road. Involved. What are you going with? I'm still going with the 50 people downstairs. Yeah, uh, fair And the beer's flowing all night. I think it's a fantastic way to go. All right, Steve Ivac there from Elite Sporting Tours. We're going to get to a break. Marco's Masterclass is up next. It's a really good one, too. And you can play at Melbourne's newest golf course. Don't forget this. Club Mandalay. Green fees available seven days a week. Visit clubmandalay.com.au. Masterclass is next. Marco's Masterclass. Welcome back to the clubhouse. Julian Bayard is my name. Mark Allen is here. He's the best teacher on radio in golf. That's what we call him every week. And he's here to Righto. relay a message about putting and how you can fix your putting. Now, if you missed the start of the show, um, Brett Rumford has been given a lot of credit by Adam Scott for fixing Adam Scott's putting. Yes. Which is handy, mm-hmm. seeing he's now won two tournaments in a row. I called... Uh, I called uh, Mr. Rumford yep. and I said, Brady boy, what's the story? Come on radio and tell us. He said, no, I'm not coming on radio to tell anybody. I don't want the publicity. So selfishly, I'm going to say what he told me, yep. even though I'm probably not supposed to be doing it. Out of school. Out of school. That's all right. That's I how we say roll. stiff. That's what I say. <laughs> Come on the show. <laughs> anyway, so I'm doing it on radio and it probably won't sound as right. But when Adam Scott was putting with the broomstick and Brett Rumford was also putting with the broomstick, one of the visions that they had is that that long uh, broomstick shaft, if you put a plane board all the way on that shaft, you want the arm on that plane board as well when you actually putt all the way through. So your right arm and the right forearm needs to be on it. So now that he's gone to the short putter, it's about getting the humerus, that's what he called it, um, in line. You're pointing at your elbow. Yeah, the the humerus. Um, That has to be, the forearms need to be on the same. um, They need to be parallel to your target line. Very, very important. And when you putt, and when you look from the front or the back of the putter, your forearms also need to be in the same line as the shaft. It makes it really easy for uh, the, putter, the putting stroke to go backwards and through. So you've got to imagine when you're looking from 
the back behind the putt, right? So you're directly behind where my putt is going to go. When you look at my forearms, one, they've got to be parallel to my target line, and two, they need to be on the same line as the shaft. So the shaft and the forearms make one line. Mm -hmm. So when you go to the claw, you want to continue that relationship between the forearms and also the putter shaft. So that is the basic. So this works particularly well. For a lot of people, when you're doing the claw for the first time, they just concentrate on the claw and forget about uh, the parallel forearms yep. and forget about uh, the, the shaft and the forearms being in on that one line. So you've just got to imagine there's a plain board all the way up, which is just a flat piece of board resting on your shaft going right up your arms. That's all going to be one line. And then when you actually make the stroke... The shaft stays on that plane board perfectly, and so do your forearms. So Adam Scott just basically got his forearms parallel with, with, uh, with the new grip. Now, that's the basics and what I could glean from a television from a um, telephone call phone chat that I had with Brett Rumford. Seems pretty simple. That's what I got from it. So hopefully he's telling me the truth. And that's all he's done. That's all he's done. As far as I know. I'm still going to try and get Brett Rumford on. Yeah. One day he's going to want that well, publicity. He's going to hear this and he want, he, could yeah. be completely wrong and yeah. everyone's out there just trying to fix <laughs> that parallel arm. No, that's not what I said. All right. <laughs> well, that, well, look, uh, if, you try, if you explain it to a professional yep. that you want the forearms parallel to your target line, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. But also uh, tell the pro what, is, uh, what do these boys in the clubhouse mean about having the shaft and the forearms in one line and he'll be able to show you that as well. It's very much a... Uh, very much fundamentals of putting. Yep. But again, when people go to the claw, and so many people are now, I mean, we saw Louis Oosthuizen win with the claw. We've seen Sergio go to the claw. We've seen Adam Scott now win twice with the claw in a row. Um, people, f- they focus on that right hand being a claw and, and they forget about the forearm. So it's an important part of the game, important part of putting. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, I'm not going to get a phone call from Brett Rumford <laughs> anytime soon for a uh, Speaking out of school. Well, he does listen to the show. So of course he does. We'll see how we go. His management forgot to put him in the Thailand tournament this week. He also told me, sitting back in what? Perth, not doing anything. His, his management didn't put him into the Thailand event that's being played right now. How do they you forgot. Oh. They had a week off. Oh, no. I'll probably get in trouble for that as yeah, well. There's now, another one. I can understand if you're going to get in trouble for that one. one. There's another one. <laughs> I wonder who's managing him. How do you, Couldn't be IMG. They're too good for how that How do you stuff. not? Anyway, doesn't matter. We might talk about that next week. Must be some lame, <laughs> some lame management group out yep. there that forgot. Oh no! <laughs> oh, Good no. on you, Jules. Good hey, to see you, buddy. It's been a controversial show, Marco. <laughs> I wonder if Adam Scott wins next time he plays. Three in a row would be pretty Three in massive. A row would be unreal. Would be pretty massive. He's just kicking back in the Bahamas, I think, this week. Yeah, just a week off. Yeah, just That's showering right. his wife with gifts. Yeah, he can again now. He's he got can. the cash. He doesn't have to worry anymore. Doesn't Number have to six skip. in the world. He's leading the FedEx Cup. <laughs> it's brilliant. Hey, Marco, we'll see you next week. Catch you next time, buddy.